The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hi, this is Newt. 2020 is going to be one of the most extraordinary election years of our lifetime. I want to invite you to join my inner circle as we discuss each twist and turn in the race in my members-only inner circle club. You will receive special flash briefings, online events, and members-only audio reports from me and my team. Here's a special offer to my podcast listeners. If you join the inner circle today at NewtCenterCircle.com and sign up for a one- or two-year membership, I'll send you a free, personally autographed copy of my book, Gettysburg, and a VIP Fast Pass to my live events. Join my inner circle today at NewtsInnerCircle.com. Use the code FREEBOOK at checkout. Sign up today at NewtsInnerCircle.com. Code FREEBOOK. This offer ends January 31st. On this episode of Newt's World, they've put all of us as Americans at risk. It's a little hard to believe they've been trying to impeach President Donald Trump since the day he was elected as president. And we have to ask ourselves why. Why has there been a focus on Trump as a corrupt president when he won the Electoral College decisively? In my judgment, the news media is mindlessly repeating this narrative and they are biased against President Trump. And the intelligence community has been determined to uncover something on Trump from the beginning. Finally, a book has come out that explains this point of view, and the author is my guest today, unfolding the fascinating plot that explains why the left won't leave Trump alone. I'm pleased to welcome as my guest, Lee Smith, author of The Plot Against the President, The True Story of How Congressman Devin Nunes 
uncovered the biggest political scandal in U.S. history. You really approached this with a remarkable background as a journalist. Could you talk a little bit about your own experience before you got to the book? Sure. I've worked in the press for about 30 years. Places in New York, like the Village Voice, Talk Magazine. Now I'm a columnist at a place called Tablet Magazine in New York, where I write a lot about the Middle East. I worked at the Weekly Standard for about seven years. So when this story started to appear, the idea of the Russia collusion, it appeared to me obviously nonsense, largely because I was raised in New York. Donald Trump has been a big figure in New York since my teenage years. I effectively grew up with Donald Trump. There are many things that can be said about the now president, about his life in New York. He's a famous celebrity, always in the tabloids. But the idea that one of the world's most famous men had somehow conducted a secret relationship with Russian state actors was preposterous. And so that immediately attracted me to the story. If you think about the duplicity and the complexity of the Middle East and the degree to which very often things on the surface aren't things under the surface, how much do you think your Middle East background helped you see this story differently than a traditional American reporter would have seen it? That's a really good question. I'd like to think that the press of even 15 years ago would have recognized immediately this was nonsense rather than participating in what was an information operation directed at a presidential candidate, then the president-elect, and now the president. One of the worrying things is, you're precisely right, it was the fact that this was so clearly a political operation conducted through the press in third world fashion that was alarming and that made it even easier for me to recognize these methods are third world. When you're joining intelligence services to the press, that is how the Arab press works. And unfortunately, that's how many Americans are now learning how to read the New York Times and Washington Post, where you will look at bylines and understand which part of the bureaucracy is speaking through these different press organizations, and in particular, these different reporters. We've always had that to a certain extent with particular columnists, but this is widespread now. It's astonishing. I did think your analysis of the economics of the collapse of overseas offices, the degree to which even large news organizations now rely on leaks from the Washington bureaucracy. And then the positive side, which is if they were adequately anti-Trump, their subscriptions went up. So they had a big vested interest in being anti-Trump. You mentioned that the Washington Post gained a million subscribers electronically. And the New York Times editor admitted in their town hall meeting that the one time they wrote a neutral headline, the reaction from their readers was so savage They had to change it in a couple of hours because their readers wouldn't tolerate being neutral about Trump. You had to be hostile. I thought it was one of the more revealing moments in modern journalism. How do you make the jump then to Devin Nunes? What is it that said to you at some point, gee, this could be a book? The first thing was watching the congressman conduct this fight, taking on the bureaucracy, taking on the press. I date the beginnings of his fight to March 2017, 
when he went to the White House to notify them about evidence she had seen and to see everyone attack him, but for him to keep pushing on, that is just such an incredible human story right there. Just to watch what the congressman was doing, I said, this is fantastic. This is great. Was that the day when you began to think about working with him and trying to find out what he was doing? After a little while, we spoke about the different things that were going on and the different things that I had observed, because I had a different perspective, not able to look at the intelligence community in the way that he was, but I was looking at how the press was a part of this, how the press was operating. We began speaking a lot, and at a certain point, I said, I'd like to write about this. I thought there was also actually a story in there a human drama, which was about Devin Nunes. And as I came to speak more with him and meet some of the other people who had worked with him on his team, it struck me that this was the way to explain what had happened, to tell it through the congressman and his team. Cash Patel, one of the lead investigators, decided to name what they were doing Objective Medusa. And without these eight people, it's quite likely no one ever would have known what happened. So I wanted to also credit these people who had done the right thing. We have a very good idea now of what Obama's officials did, John Brennan, James Clapper, James Comey, Andrew McKay, but no one really had a very clear picture of what Congressman Nunes and his people had done. When I explained to him how I thought it should be told, he said, okay, sounds like a good idea. So we started speaking more and more. That's really how it came to be. Nunes himself, in some ways, is almost a Jimmy Stewart figure. A farmer really comes out of solid background of a family that worked hard and had done very well on the land. And somehow, this guy ends up just being a rock who can't be moved. I mean, it's classically American. We as Americans tell these stories about people who do the right thing. Mr. Smith goes to Washington to make things right. It really happened. The Jimmy Stewart reference is very important because I describe him as kind of a self-deprecating Jimmy Stewart character. But as we know, there's another aspect to Jimmy Stewart, too, which is the post-World War II Jimmy Stewart, where people talk about the different things that Jimmy Stewart saw during the war and how that shaped his worldview. People forget he was a general in the Air Force that he flew combat missions. This pleasant, soft-spoken guy earned it the hard way. And I think, in, in a sense, Nunes fits that. Doesn't go out to pick a fight, but he doesn't back up from a fight. My understanding is, is that the Intelligence Committee, they always wanted people with pretty moderate temperaments on that committee because most of the work they did was classified and they couldn't talk about it, so they didn't want barn burners on there. And I think that the congressman does have a very moderate temperament. That was also a sign when he came out and started speaking about these things and expressed alarm, that should have been an indication to more people to take it seriously. Historically, the Intelligence Committee, despite some tension, tended to be relatively bipartisan and because it was dealing with all of 17 intelligence agencies and the effort worldwide to protect America, it had a really deep bias towards being serious and reaching beyond partisanship. So what's happened in the last couple of years, the rise of Schiff, the whole way that they've been operating, is a radical change. Coming up, the core story that every American needs to understand.
What's the core story that every American should understand about the problems we've been living through? (laughs) The way that I've put it, the Clinton campaign got a bunch of dirty cops to spy on her political rival, the Trump campaign. After Donald Trump won the presidency, Obama intelligence officials rolled that into a coup. A lot of people around the country understand that story just like that. The important thing that Congressman Nunes has wanted to do, and I hope this book is a part of, is getting at the different details. The book is explaining how the bad guys did this, and it also explains how the good guys uncovered what they were up to. Because one of the amazing things is, this was all a political operation, and the congressman talks about this a lot in the book. Everything was hidden under programs and instruments designed to keep Americans safe from terrorism and from hostile foreign actors. They hid things in a classified counterintelligence investigation. They hid things using classified human sources. They hid things using the secret Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act court. So the idea that they hid what they did under these classified programs to disguise it, that's a really important part of the story. When the congressman released what's now come to be known as the Nunes Memo, they wanted to be very careful because unlike many of their counterparts on the Democratic side, and unlike many of the Obama officials, they take classified intelligence and classified information very seriously, and they weren't going to break the law. So it was important to get that out in a legal manner to the American people and to show them what exactly had happened. But what's really striking about the story as you outline it is that you have Nunes and his small team playing by the rules, being disadvantaged by their caution. And you have this extraordinary network of news media, professional bureaucracies, and Democratic politicians collectively violating every plausible rule of the American system. And it's kind of an astonishing to have both of those going on simultaneously. One of the things that I want people to understand is not only the, the virtues of the Nunes team, but also the very bad things that, as you said, the press, different intelligence officials, Democratic operatives did. I mean, these people actually put all Americans at risk by abusing these programs. When I first began going back and pulling together all the different early references to impeaching, et cetera, the first references are actually the day after the election. That's when it began. The intelligence community assessment, which was, as Congressman Nunes says in the book, is a political document, the platform for the post-election For what we now know, the other side was actually calling a coup. Here's someone who is admitting that in January 2017, that there is actually an operation to take down the newly inaugurated president of the United States. So in your judgment, why was the news media so complicit in literally being spoon-fed by the bureaucracies? And just sort of repeating it mindlessly, no matter how often they've been false, they come back and do it again. I think a lot of currents merged. I mean, it's fascinating when you look at what the national security beat is here in Washington. 
it just comes from leaks, right? It comes from different sources, many of whom are speaking off the record anonymously, and they're putting through different leaks to politicize things. In a sense, that is the core of the Russiagate operation, at least in the media. And then it merges with all sorts of other trends. It merges with an anti-Republican current in the media. And then, of course, it was specific about this president, President Trump. And then there's another, which is the financial model. What we used to know is the financial model of the press, depending on advertisements, is broken. And so these different currents merged. The fact is we're dealing with people who are operating in another universe. These are people who have turned the public sphere into a land of conspiracy. Actually, reading something and verifiable facts are not important for these people who are pushing this information operation. When you think about it that way, there's no there there, and they can make up whatever they want to make up. Coming up next, why the Mueller investigation was corrupt from the beginning. When Robert Mueller left the stage for what seems like the last time, July 24th, many were optimistic that that would bring an end to the Russiagate nonsense. I was a bit more cautious. My sense was they've invested so much money and prestige in Russiagate. Why would they drop that instrument? The other thing is they pushed a conspiracy theory into the American public. It lasted there for three years and it grew. It became increasingly more powerful. That's real power. To inject a lie into a society and make people believe it. For a very significant number of Americans, maybe 40% of the American people, they now believe in an alternative world, which is probably not subject to facts because they go through cognitive dissonance. And if you tell them Mueller found nothing, they'll go, yeah, but now there's this new thing. And it's almost like as, as long as there's a big enough mound of accusations, some of them must be true. Exactly. What if none of these things happened? I mean, it's really a remarkable thing how quickly our public sphere was corrupted like this. Of course, the press is at the center of it. We can come back to the intelligence committee. This is the committee which is supposed to be overseeing the intelligence community to make sure that they're serving the American public, keeping Americans safe, that these programs and instruments that they're using are on the up and up. And instead, this intelligence committee, led by Adam Schiff, is working with different officials to try to bring down the president. Once we look at what's actually happened here, what are they running now? It's an active CIA officer who is part of an operation to take down the president. It's mind-boggling. Instead of Democrats saying, hey, look, I don't like Trump either, but this is not the way to go about things. No one is doing that. To me, it was a very interesting part of your reporting was the fact that Nunes needs somebody who understands what's going on and turns to a professional prosecutor in Cash Patel. Patel, in some ways, is almost as important as Nunes in providing the knowledge and the capabilities Explain a little bit about what his background was and why he mattered so much. 
Mr. Patel was a former DOJ prosecutor. He'd worked with many of the people that he later wound up investigating and looking into, like Andrew McCabe, like James Comey, like Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. He also knew what it took to be able to go against the DOJ. And as he explained it, if you can get their documents and see what they did, you have a leg up on them. Because it's a very powerful organization with lots of resources. And again, one of the important things to remember is how Congressman Nunes and his team, how overmatched they were. This was eight people. They were going against the bureaucracy. They're going against the press. They're going against the Democratic Party. So these eight people needed to figure out how to muster their resources, what to do. The other thing that Mr. Patel brought to this team was a skepticism regarding the DOJ and the FBI. Now, he worked at the DOJ, so he loves the FBI. He loves the DOJ. He talks about it all the time in the book. Great organization. I love doing these cases with my great colleagues. But as he explains, he also knew that these are not superhuman people, that there are some bad people at DOJ and the FBI. And he explained that to Congressman Nunes and his colleagues, who at first tended to dismiss him. As they soon came to learn, though, Mr. Petzel was correct. He had a very good reading on people like Comey and people like McCabe, Strzok. As I document in the book, Congressman Nunes and his team with Cash Patel at the front, this is what they found. Everything from the struck page letters to the role that Bruce Orr played as back channel to the FBI, that the FBI had used the Steele dossier paid for by the Clintons. They'd used that to obtain a warrant to spy an American citizen and collect the campaign's communications. A lot of this depended on Mr. Patel's insight and, as Congressman Nunes says in the book, his willingness to kick down doors. Next, the media's role in this scandal. At the very senior levels of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, you have a collective group who are all committed to destroying the president. Every single one of them. I mean, that is so far outside the American sense of norms that it becomes almost impossible to believe. And, of course, the news media does everything they can to make it unbelievable. Part of what I was intrigued with when you look at the story you told in the plot against the president, you have this network of personal relationships. So Comey and Mueller and a whole group of these people, they knew each other. They had worked together over there, even Rosenstein. I mean, they were all, in a sense, part of a fraternity. And they're all winking and nodding as they collectively break the law. One of the things that's so striking in your book is this machinery that goes from the FBI or the CIA making something up, feeding it to the New York Times and the Washington Post, having them then print it. So now it begins to be a fact. And since the people who are supposed to investigate it are the people who planted it, this is why Nunes, in a sense, becomes one of the most important figures in the last few years, because without his tenacity and without his team, this stuff would still not be out there. 
I mean, we came very close to resembling Syria or Egypt or one of those countries where the power center simply runs over the people. This is what I mean about the relationship between the press and the intelligence services. This is exactly how things run. I've lived in Egypt. I've lived in Lebanon. This is exactly how it works. As for our prestige press organizations, I assume that there will be a place bearing the name the New York Times and the Washington Post for many, many years to come. But under no circumstances will it resemble what we grew up to know as the New York Times and Washington Post. The press has always tended toward the left. That's always been the case. But what we see now, these are not liberal publications. These are places that have been involved in intelligence operations with spies. I believe that once you've injected a conspiracy theory into the public sphere, you can't recover from that. I think that's it. We will have information. We will have a media. We will have a press. But the big names we know today, they'll just be political operations. That's it. Nothing like a media. Nothing like a press. Let me just say, I think you've made a major contribution to cutting through the noise and giving people a clear roadmap. And anybody who reads your book will see all of this very, very differently I just want to thank you and tell you that I really think what you've done is a great contribution to where we are today. And I've I've seldom been as struck by a book being timely and important as yours is. Mr. Speaker, I can't tell you how honored I am by your words. I was hugely flattered that you were reading the book and that the fact that you enjoyed it, I can't tell you how much that meant to me. Thank you very much. Thank you to my guest, Lee Smith. You can read more about Lee Smith's book, The Plot Against the President, the true story of how Congressman Devin Nunes uncovered the biggest political scandal in U.S. history on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newtsworld is produced by Westwood One. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers, and our producer is Garnsey Slope. Our editor is Robert Borowski, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. Our guest booker is Tamara Coleman. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Pendley. The music was composed by Joey Salvia. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360 and Westwood One's John Wardock and Robert Mathers. Please email me with your comments at newt at newtsworld.com. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. On the next episode of Newt's World, from Pearl Harbor to 9-11 to modern-day threats, we're looking at the history of surprise attacks in the United States. We just don't have the type of expertise, such as during the Cold War, we could focus on one kind of enemy. Today, we're facing not just one enemy, but so many different kinds of enemies, and so many that we really still don't understand. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. The Westwood One Podcast Network. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.